Hi guys, this is not normally how my podcast episodes start out. I promise I will play the intro song in a minute. I just wanted to let you guys know that my new merch dropped this week. So my probably editing sets, my workaholic baby tee, the let's go take photos hat in black, the photo club duffel. Is that it? Did I launch anything else? I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's everything. So go check it out if you haven't already. I will say the probably editing set is popping off. You guys are loving it, especially in like the cream bone. It's The color is technically called bone, but it's so cute. You can buy the shorts separately or the crew neck separately, or you can buy them together, whatever. But I am so excited for this merch drop. As you guys know, I love my merch. I love dropping merch. I love coming out with new designs. So I'm super excited about this drop. So I will link the new merch in the description of this episode, just so you guys have a link to it. But besides that, that's all I have for you. Until next week, I'll give you guys some life updates. So enjoy the show. Expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders Capture the moment uh, to keep my sanity And the wisdom rushing in So much everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. We have a guest on the podcast today. We're going to talk about lots and lots of money stuff. It's Michaela Alaka. I actually found her on TikTok. So I was like, please come on my podcast because we need to talk about money right now. Um, So Michaela, say hi to everyone. Give us a little intro about you. Hi, I am so excited to be here. My name is Michaela. I am the creator behind Break Your Budget, which is an online personal finance platform helping young adults, young professionals learn how to budget better, earn more, and reach their six-figure savings goals. So I talk all about personal finances, obviously, but also starting a business, side hustles, business finances, and everything in between. So I'm really excited to get into it today. Yeah, I am too. I love to hear like opinions on this stuff from like people that actually know what they're talking about, you Mm -hmm. know, so I'm super excited. I would love for you to tell us a little bit of your origin story, like how you got started in this um, kind of take us back and give us a little bit of background. Sure. So I first started Break Your Budget back in 2019, actually in the summertime. So it's been just about four years, honestly, probably four years, like to the day, actually, wow. July 18th or July 19th timeframe. Um, and essentially, I was just feeling really unfulfilled at work. So I worked in the finance industry for five years before jumping into Break Your Budget full time. But I ran Break Your Budget as a side hustle for two and a half, almost three years actually before taking that leap. And it really came to be just from a lack of information available online for young adults to really figure out how to navigate that weird 
post-grad real life timeframe where more often than not, you're sort of thrust into like a corporate job. You don't really know what's going on. You're realizing that that life isn't really all that great. It could suck. It could be a discovery of yourself that it's just not what you want to do. And there aren't a lot of resources available to help young adults navigate that, whether it be learning how to allocate money from your salary, learning how to leverage the skills you're getting at work to start a side hustle or a business and finding that fulfillment in your life that, you know, you can't find just from working. So that's really where it came to be. It was me sharing my journey of navigating all of that. And it sort of morphed into me teaching people about personal finance, sharing like investing tips because I was working in an investment heavy job. And ever since it's sort of morphed into what it is today, which is a platform for young professionals to go to, to learn career tips, money tips, side hustle tips, Um, I have a podcast. I recently came out with a book. So it's really run the gamut. Um, I quit my corporate job in April of 2022. And I've been doing Break Your Budget Now full time for a little less than a year and a half. Um, And just sharing that journey of finance and career and my life in Los Angeles and all these things. It's been really fun. Cool. How did you know that it was the right time to quit your corporate job and go full time into Break Your Budget? Yeah. So that's a loaded question. Um, we can get into all of the tips now because I have a lot to say about this. Okay. Um, so for me, it was sort of a twofold precipice. Um, I had been doing Break Your Budget at that point for two and a half or so years. And I had reached a point where I was passed over for a promotion at work. So I was annoyed that like I wasn't getting what I needed to get out of my job for one. But the second layer was I had fully replaced my income from my corporate job with my side hustle. So at my job, I was making about like $92,000 per year. And in 2021, um, with Break Your Budget, I made over six figures. So that threshold had been exceeded from my side hustle, which I think is the most important gauge of whether or not you're ready. I think conventional advice, and this is something I feel very, very passionately about, says to go all in, you know, lean into your passions and you'll figure it out. But I so deeply disagree with that sentiment for the main reason being if you aren't financially stable and ready and have replaced your income to support your business. Once you leave your job and give all of that up, your main focus becomes on making money to make ends meet. And what that does is it completely hinders your creativity. It changes how you're operating because you want to be getting that next gig, the next paycheck, the next client, the next brand deal, whatever it is. And you're not focused on growing your business per se. You're focused on making the money, which you know, is obviously an important pillar of your business, but it shouldn't be the main focus. Like you should have that financial stability within your business before taking that leap. And that was something that I really wanted to do. So I was making consistent income from a couple of different revenue streams for one. And I had also secured a six month contract. So my business makes money in a couple of different ways through selling templates and, um, through 
working with different brands and now through my book and all of the stuff that comes along with that. But what I had done beforehand was ensure that I had recurring revenue already in place. So for that six months, I quit my job in April and I had money secured um, via a brand deal until the end of August. I'm like, okay, at least until the end of August, I've got time to figure this out if the well shuts off, which it didn't. But that security gave me the peace of mind to focus on business growth rather than getting whatever next brand deal came in or like really stressed about money. So I think that that's an important thing to think about if you are in a position where you would potentially be thinking about taking that leap is have you replaced that income? Is that income secure and reliable? And if the answer to that question isn't a resounding hell yes, you're not ready to quit your job and you really, Mm -hmm. really, really shouldn't. Yeah. No, I think that is really wise advice. A lot of the times we hear like, oh, just like jump into it. And I think like I'm the type of person that sometimes I think if you are going to like a nine to five every day, you don't have the capacity to put in as much work into your business that could be making you, you know, the income that you need to replace it. But that is like a little bit of a risky mindset, you know, whereas you were doing the corporate life and running your other business for so long. Like, I honestly have no idea how you would do that time-wise. Like, were you just, your evenings were just full of... (laughs) Essentially, I was grinding for two years. And I mean, I had the cushion of the pandemic. So like I had had extra time when everybody was working from home. I was living at home. So like there was nothing really going on in my life outside of work besides pouring that energy that I would have been putting into my life into running this adventure. So that definitely, I think, skews my perspective on it a little bit. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, getting a business off of the ground is a lot of work. And I think even if you're grinding, working a regular job to get your business off the ground in your free time, you're going to feel more secure. And you'll ultimately, I really think, and I believe this strongly that you'll be more successful if you have the money piece of it figured out before devoting the energy. And I understand the Mm -hmm. sentiment of like, because my business did change too, when I had all of my energy to put my income accelerated dramatically, but getting it to a place where that income was stable and reliable in there, I think is really the point that I want to make instead of being like, Oh, I have this passion And I'm going to just quit my job and leave everything in the dust to focus on it full time and I'll figure it out. That mindset, I think, is like it's not going to work. Because, again, then you're going to be focused on making money and you're not going to be focused on the business and the systems and the structure of the business that will be long lasting um, and scalable. So I think, you know, it's twofold. I I get it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I would 100 percent agree. Um, let's talk about budgets, um, which is like my first topic. I have lots of things I want to talk to you about. So we're going to start with budgets. Um, so let's talk about why budgets are important for small businesses. Um, and maybe give us a few strategies or tips for building a budget for a business. A lot of people also, let me tell you, like a lot of people listening are, most likely side hustling. Some mm-hmm. people are full-time, but we do have a lot of side hustlers like you were doing. Um, sure. So just to kind of give you context. Okay. So do you want me to go? Cause so small business and side hustle budgets and then like personal budgets are two different things that I, I could go either direction. Do you want to focus on small business budgets first? 
And yeah. then we can talk about personal. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about both, but we'll do small business first. Okay. So with a small business budget, you know, there are two main elements and this does apply to personal. You have your revenue and then you have your expenses and you want to be focused on profitability first. So depending on the type of business that you have is obviously going to alter your profitability, but you want to look at your net income, which would be your revenue minus your expenses and minus your taxes. And then you want to look at your net profit margin, which is that net income divided by your revenue. And the goal is to maximize your profit margin, meaning you're making as much money as you can, you're spending as little money as you can, and your taxes are optimized and your business is structured in a way to do so. And that's another conversation we can get into as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not an accountant, but I've learned a lot through doing this on my own. Um, So that's like the basic structure of a business budget. I think when it comes to like optimizing a business budget, the real key boils down to paying attention to it, which is something that no business owner likes to do. Like it's not a fun process. Um, It's usually the last thing on everybody's list. But my best recommendation would be to put 15 minutes a week on your calendar. I do this on Fridays. Um, And I put 15 minutes on my calendar to go through and update my business budget. I use a template and I use an accounting software in tandem. Um, You only need to use a software, but I have a template that I like that essentially just gives me insights into my business. And I think that's the other key pillar of a business budget that's important to think of is sure, you can look at your revenue and expenses on a monthly basis, essentially like a profit and loss. But what you really want to be looking at are the insights that you can pull out from that. So if you have, you know, different streams of revenue, which revenue stream is driving your business? Are there seasonality trends that you can look at? Are there different factors that impact whether or not one revenue stream generates more or less for you? So I'll use myself as an example. One of my major revenue streams would be digital downloads. And I have a couple of different ones that I sell, but I find a direct correlation between my sales on a specific template and virality on social media. So I have one video that I repost every three months. Every three months, it gets over a million views and I see a direct impact on my sales. And so that's like a lever, I guess, that I can use to control and think about different revenue streams and bringing in more money when I need to. I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. a super reliable one because you never actually know, but it's been consistent for over a year at this point. Um, And so I think it's important to look at your revenue streams, what's driving business and looking at seasonality, because that's a big factor with small businesses. Like I know my um, slow periods, I know my high periods. I know if I'm having a slow month, I can likely make that up during the end of the year or the beginning of the year when people are focused on their money. So thinking about those trends. And then the other layer would be looking at your expenses and How can you optimize those? As a small business, you have lots of recurring expenses. So think like all of the software and systems. I use like an email system. I have my payroll that I use, my accounting software. I have different subscriptions that I have just to keep things on and moving. But then also depending on your business, you might have tech and equipment or a storefront or product that you need to buy or whatever. So looking at what you're spending money on, 
look at, again, seasonality, look at subscriptions. If you have a annual subscription, you can save money. So if it's something you're actually using and then look for bottlenecks, like, are you paying for things that you're not getting the value out of that translates into your personal finances too. But I, every month will go through and look at all of my different recurring subscriptions And then I'll also look at, okay, did I use that this month? And if I didn't, I'll note it. And then the next month I'll look at it again. Did I use that this month? And if I didn't, it's cut. Um, So it's just keeping an eye on those things to really optimize your overall business budget and then creating a workflow and a system to maintain it and keep eyeballs on it, which you can outsource. But even if you do outsource, that person should be sending you regular reports. And if they're not, you need to ask them to start doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I, I really like that. I think it's so important, like you said, to just like look at where income is coming from because mm-hmm. it can be easy to just like keep doing the same thing. But like if it's not actually like getting you that much profit, like just focus on what's working well, you know, and really focus on those things. Cause I feel like sometimes we get emotionally attached to these like things that we're doing in our business that aren't actually like helping us that much. Mm-hmm. And like, they're not actually making us that much profit, but we spend so much time and energy into them. Cause it's like our, like the little passion project that we have. Yes. Um, yeah. you know, which is good to have those things, but at the same time, like actually looking at, okay, like my, like for photographers, my mini sessions are, you know, drive my profit every Christmas or something like that. Um, so just kind of like making note of those things and having that stability. I, I really like that point. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a big thing too, when you're looking at your revenue streams, is it also sort of can compel you to audit your time. So if you have one revenue stream, that's bringing in 75% of your business, how much time are you spending on that? And does it make sense for you to put more or less time into it? Or if you have the revenue stream that's generating, let's say 20% of your business, are you spending 80% of your time doing that? And if so, Mm -hmm. you got to do something else. Um, So I think that too really lends itself to being an agile business owner and making like data-driven decisions, which is essential for scaling a business and getting it off the ground. So like if it is your side hustle and you have limited time, what areas of your side hustle or business are making you the most money and are you devoting your time efficiently to it? Because limited time means you've got to be efficient and you Mm -hmm. want to have the highest ROI on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So if someone listening or maybe someone interviewing you, AKA me sucks at sticking to a budget. And it's just like bad at that. What are some strategies or like little tips that you would recommend for the person that just is not the budget person that they should be? So two things first would be to be using a tool that makes sense for your brain. I think a lot of times people are told like, I have to use this one thing, like, especially in business, it's like, I have to use QuickBooks. QuickBooks is a really hard tool to learn and it doesn't make sense. I don't use QuickBooks because I think it's way too complicated. Use a tool that makes sense for you because if it's something that you are not going to go into and understand or gravitate towards, you're not going to do it. And that applies to your business finances and your personal finances. So I've landed on two tools that are fairly simple that work for me that I use pretty much interchangeably. Um, 
one, I use zero and I've set up a whole bunch of rules on that so that my bookkeeping and reviewing my budget is as simple and straightforward as possible. That's why I only do 15 minutes a week. I just go in and I click, okay, 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 okay. And everything goes where it needs to go. With a spreadsheet, I use a simple spreadsheet. It's a spreadsheet I've created and it's available on my website if anybody is out there. It's called the Be Your Own Boss template. Great for side hustles. I'd say if you've crossed the six-figure mark, you got to have a zero or a QuickBooks or something similar. Um, but essentially, it's just a revenue and expense tracker. And it's easy for me to use. It's easy for me to customize. It spits out the insights that I want. And so I almost look forward to it because I'm like, okay, I want to see how did I do this week? So having a tool that gives you what you need is number one. And then number two is a little bit more tactical and that's creating the routine and holding yourself accountable to it, which is the hardest part. That's why I put it on my calendar. It's built into my regular weekly workflow. So Friday mornings, that's what I'm doing is getting it out of the way in the morning. I'm sitting down and I'm just running through all of my numbers. I do 15 minutes. So I literally set a timer. It's only 15 minutes. And it just keeps everything moving and grouping. It gives me the peace of mind. So creating that routine in a way that works for you, building it into a time on a time slot on your calendar where you're not going to skip it. So for me, that's Friday mornings. For you, that could be Monday mornings when you're most focused and you're doing it for the week behind you. Um, it could be a Sunday night when you're sitting down and watching TV. It's building that consistency into your routine so you know. Because I'm sure you have things that you have built into your calendar recurring every single week. Stack it right on there mm -hmm. um, and just get it out of the way. Keep it 15 minutes. Don't do 30 minutes because 30 minutes can be overwhelming. 15 minutes, you'll get it done. You'll work faster. And again, it just becomes part of what you do every week, which I think is key. And that applies to your business finances and personal finances. Um, usually when people come to me from a personal standpoint and they're like, I suck sticking to a budget. Like every time I create a budget, it doesn't work. What do I do? First thing I say is implement a weekly money routine. That's where you track your expenses, you're self-reflecting on how you've used your money that week, and then you're making adjustments as needed. And that same exact process applies to your business finances. You're tracking your revenue and expenses. You're looking at what's going on. Did I make enough money this week? Did I book the clients this week? Am I on track for my monthly targets? And if not, you have that information there for the next week that you can implement the changes, book the extra client, send out an extra pitch, whatever it is for your business. And that is how you keep things alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like with finances, literally the scariest part is just looking at them. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the easiest thing to do is to just like go about life and yeah. not look at them because when you look at them is when you get scared almost. Yeah. But then like you look at them for longer than two minutes, you're like, wait, this isn't scary. Like this is actually healthy yes. for me to see what's going on instead of just like not paying attention to what I'm spending and like so I think I like the idea of that 15 minutes because it's just like, it's not intimidating, mm -hmm. you know, it's easy to build in and it's quick to do like, yeah. and if you don't get it finished, that's fine. But like, yeah, I, I think that's actually something I'll probably make a note of and start yeah. doing because I the need to. The biggest barrier you're right is just doing it like what, and honestly, like once you do it the first time you realize, okay, this isn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. I'm probably doing better than I thought I was. And that's all you really need to kickstart the habit. So it's just getting over that first hump. 
Yes, literally. So you mentioned a few um, programs that you like to use. Um, Mm -hmm. So I wanted to open up the floor for other programs that you recommend or softwares that you like. And then also on the flip side, if there's any programs that you were like, oh, I don't love this one or this one's confusing, just kind of let us know your opinions on that. Yeah. So I will share the ones that I use because I don't want to say anything that I've never used before, but I use Xero, which is, I think, honestly, probably the most basic accounting bookkeeping software you could get. Um, It's relatively inexpensive. I think it's like $35 a month. And essentially you can just set up all of your various rules. So you create your chart of accounts. I actually hired somebody to do that for me um, because when it comes to like business bookkeeping finances and all that kind of stuff, you don't really want to mess it up. And it's important to get it set up correctly from the beginning, because if you don't, Um, It's just a pain to go back and fix. So if you are going to invest in anything, invest in somebody who can help you set up your accounts, which would just be an accountant. Your accountant can probably do it. Um, But I use Xero, which I really, really, really like, like I said, because it's super simple. It's connected to all of my bank accounts. So literally all I've had to do was set up my different rules. I have my revenue streams that are automatically detected. And then I go in, I put in my little notes for each transaction and I click OK and it just does what it needs to do. I can pull my reports. I can look at my profit and loss. like, And then I can just send that information to my accountant. So that's the tool that I like for accounting software. Um, for like a bookkeeping spreadsheet, I created my own and I did that because I operate and think about things in a very specific way. And I found that a lot of the budgeting and bookkeeping and business templates online just didn't work with my brain. Um, and so it's called the be your own boss template. And it has a couple of things in there that are catered specifically to my business. Um, and like the, I guess, niche of business that I'm in, which is online, like, content creator-esque businesses. So there are a few things in there that I added that are helpful beyond just the basic stuff like revenue expense tracker, you know, being able to create your own revenue streams and expenses and a PL statement and all of that. The first thing it does that I like is it estimates out like what to set aside for my taxes, which is a big one. It's not a comprehensive tax calculator, But I can put in different percentages. So I do 30 and 70%. So 30% set aside for taxes, 70% for me to use for whatever. And that just gives me a guideline on like, okay, based on my revenue and expenses this month, this is how much to put aside into my tax savings account. So I don't really have to worry about it. So that's one. The other thing that I have in there is a tax log. So every time I make a quarterly payment, um, federal or state, I put in the date I made the payment, how much it was, what quarter it was for. And that has been so helpful for me in terms of doing my quarterly taxes and just remembering like, okay, I already made this payment. I've already paid this much this year. I can make my adjustments based on where I'm landing. Um, each quarter, which is really helpful because that was always something that tripped me up or stressed me out. It just alleviates a little bit of the tax pressure that we all feel. And Mm -hmm. the other thing in there is like a brand deal tracker, um, which has also been really helpful if you work with brands or you do any sort of partnership or collaboration or like gig style work. um, You can put in like how much it is, if you've been paid, if you've been invoiced, like all of those things that essentially an accounting software isn't going to give you Mm -hmm. um, is something that I've put into the spreadsheet to keep everything in one place. Because that's the other layer that can be really intimidating with business finances is there's a hell of a lot more to it than you really think, especially if you have 
diverse income streams or you're being paid from like 15 different places, which is normal. Um, keeping everything in one repository takes the administrative pressure um, and burden off of your shoulders, which allows you to show up better in your business. Because I found I was getting paid from PayPal and ACH and, you know, whatever, bill.com and all these different spots. And I just like could not keep track of everything. Um, So I have that all set up in there. So those are the tools that I use. I would recommend both of them. Um, Mm -hmm. The one tool that I really didn't like, which I already said was QuickBooks. I just feel like QuickBooks is not something that the average person can really set up and maintain on their own. I definitely think that requires a little bit of outsourcing. And honestly, for most small businesses, unless I guess you have like product overhead and stuff, not sure that a tool that complex is entirely necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, So I personally like wouldn't use it, especially if you're smaller or a side hustle. Like I'd recommend just getting set up on something a little bit more straightforward. And Mm -hmm. if you ever get to a point where you're at capacity and a, a zero, for example, isn't doing it for you, you can always graduate to a QuickBooks. But yeah, I can't really think of a scenario where that would even happen. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense for sure. It's good to hear your recommendations and just to hear like kind of how you do things. I love to just mm-hmm. hear how everyone does it because like, yeah. I don't know, it's just helpful to hear if someone else is doing this and it's yeah. working. So yeah. Well, also another tool that I use, and this is based off of how my business is registered. So I'm registered as an LLC with an S corp election, meaning that I have to run payroll for myself. I use Gusto to run my payroll and I really, really like them. Um, as opposed to like an ADP or something else. One, because Gusto integrates with zero, which obviously if you're running payroll, you want to make sure that you absolutely, you absolutely have to have an accounting software if you're running payroll. Um, but you, they obviously need to integrate seamlessly. So if you're using zero, Gusto would be my recommendation for that. It's the least expensive with ADP. I think it's like 60 or $70 a month with Gusto. I'm paying 40 um, and it's just been, their customer service is pretty good. And it's again, another tool that's not overly complicated. The interface is easy to use, which I think is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Gusto would be my other rec. Cool. Love that. I've used Gusto too. And, um, yeah, it was super easy. Um, so I wanted to ask you about retirement because this is something we all are terrified of but um what are some recommendations that you would have for like retirement savings retirement plans for someone that's just like running their own business or side hustling um just kind of give us some insight on that totally so the the right option again is probably going to depend on your business revenue and your business structure so I'll share my story because i I've learned a lot about this um, in the okay. last year. So originally I was set up to have a SEP IRA, which I believe is like a self-employed pension plan. And don't quote me on all of the like nitty gritty logistics. That's a question for an accountant. But essentially with the, this specific plan, you could contribute like 25% to it based off of your net earnings, which my net earnings were the salary that I was paying myself out of my business, which is different and how much money I actually made. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you are an LLC with the S Corp, you pay yourself a salary and then you can take distributions and that helps optimize your taxes. Um, so I was contributing to a SEP IRA. When I 
got towards the end of the year and was figuring things out with my accountant on how to like reduce my overall tax burden. Cause that's a big layer of retirement accounts is the tax advantages that you get from them, especially as a small business owner, taxes can destroy you. Um, so you want to take as many deductions as you possibly can to reduce your taxable income, which retirement accounts play a big role there. So when I went to go talk to my accountant, he was like, oh, like this is the most you can contribute based on this SEP plan that you're in. But if you had a solo 401k, which is another option um, as a small business owner, you can contribute up to like $62,000, $63,000 per year based off of your individual employee contributions. But then also you can make contributions as an employer. So the solo 401k, I think you can only use depending on your business structure. I know for sure if you're the S corp, you can use a solo 401k, but Mm -hmm. essentially understanding what those two options are and how your business is registered is going to help you decide the right one. But if you're in the threshold of you're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, you definitely want to be an S corp for one. But two, the solo 401k is going to allow you to put the most money into those retirement accounts. So now I am a solo for, I use a solo 401k and I have everything connected with my payroll and whatever. So I contribute money every time I get paid to my solo 401k as an employee, because I am the employer and employee of my business. It's just me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also quarterly am able to make and you can do this on whatever cadence you want, but I do quarterly. I make contributions to my solo 401k as an employer. And it's that's also referred to as profit sharing, if you hear that, ro- that word thrown around. And so essentially what this does is it ensures that I'm able to contribute the most legally possible to my retirement accounts to take the biggest deduction legally possible on my taxes um, and ultimately reduce my tax burden. With yes. that, though, you know, I'll pay taxes on those retirement distributions later on. Um, but in the near term, what that does is it helps optimize what I'm paying in taxes and yeah. save for retirement in the future. So yes. the retirement thing can be definitely challenging as a self-employed person. I think those two avenues are worth exploring. I'd recommend talking to a CPA, but also maybe a CFP. You can do like a one-time consult with them. I talked to both just to make sure I was doing everything correctly because the rules are hard for anyone. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm pretty well-versed in finances and investing and all of that. And even I was like, what the heck does all of this stuff mean? Um, So that's something you want to defer to a certified professional on, but um, Mm. exploring those options, I think is well worth it. And making sure if you are able to do the solo 401k, that's probably the most optimal for contributing the most. Yes. Yeah. It's really intimidating when you start like a side hustle business, like thinking about retirement, it's so easy to just like put it off or not put anything towards retirement. But it's, it's so important because that's what like a lot of people have those benefits when you work like a corporate job. And that's something that you're not getting as someone that's self-employed. For sure. So yeah, it's something you want to explore. Like, let's say you work a corporate job or any job where you have benefits, um, whether they be retirement, health insurance, anything like that, you want to make sure as part of the overall 
evaluation when you're leaving your corporate or whatever job that you're exploring how you will replace those benefits in self-employment. And that sort of layers back to that first point um, earlier on that we talked about, about replacing your income and getting Mm -hmm. there. When you replace your benefits as a self-employed person, there may be expenses related to that. So you also want to factor that into the broader decision. So retirement is a big one. Like if you're going to lose a 401k or a 401k match, um, or your 401k matches vest on a certain schedule, you want to make sure that you're looking at that before you give your notice. So when I was leaving my job, I realized that my 401k matches would be vesting like two weeks after I was planning to give or like after my proposed last day. So instead of quitting right when I was planning to, I'm like, I'm going to wait the two weeks. I'm going to make sure my match is best. And then I'm going to give my notice. So thinking about that is important. And then also thinking about health insurance. And that's a big one. That's a big deterrent, keeping people in a corporate job. Look at that before you leave and understand your options. You will probably be surprised at what it costs in a, in a good way, I would say, because that was keeping me in my job. Um, I live in California. So here we do have like an online insurance health marketplace. Um, I think about half of the States have that. And so I was able to find a plan that was comparable to my work plan for like less than $300 a month. Granted, I'm only me, I'm healthy. I don't have any preexisting conditions. So like that factors into it. Mm -hmm. Um, But exploring those options first and understanding what they would be is an essential layer to the decision to leave your job because Mm -hmm. health insurance is essential. And you can do, I think it's like COBRA, you can do COBRA um, and pay for your work plan out of pocket, but that's very, very expensive. So you may be better off enrolling in like a federal plan or a state sponsored plan, or Mm -hmm. even just buying private insurance separately. Um, so yeah, definitely look into that too. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but can you deduct your health insurance at the end of the year? Yes. Um, that's also something up to your accountant, but I'm like 99% sure I did last year. And like my health insurance hits my business credit card. Um, and it goes Mm -hmm. all through like my business software. How, how, I don't know if you can do like a hundred percent. Okay. Um, again, an account, it's an accountant question. Yeah. Um, cause mm-hmm. I don't want to misspeak, but I'm like right. 99% sure it all gets factored into the deduction equation at the end of yes. the year. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Yes. All of that is very insightful. I feel like I learned a lot of that through talking to my accountant, um, and just being like, here's what my business is making. I'm, you know, an LLC, like just what should I do for retirement plans and stuff. And then he was just able to tell me the best option and then like help me get it set up. And that was it. Like, I just Honestly, like you- yeah. The best, best, best business advice I feel like I could give to anyone would be to find an accountant that you trust because mm-hmm. your accountant will make or break your business finance situation overall. Like if you have an accountant who you can't ask questions to, who you can't be fully open with, like they need to know, everything that's going on. There can't be any like shyness around what you're making, where the money's coming from, all that kind of stuff. Like having a good accountant that's understands self-employment and the options or is willing to learn and like stick their neck out for you and figure it out is essential. 
because I had an accountant that I didn't really like in 2021. And I ended up paying more in my taxes than I needed to because she gave me recommendations that weren't thinking long-term for my business, which, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't necessarily fault her for at that point in time. But once I got a new accountant who I can text him like, Hey, can I do this? Does this count as a business expense? Um, can you jump on a quick call with me to go over this really quickly? Like that has completely changed my life and taken so much pressure off because at the end of the day, like, even if your intention is pure, if you make a mistake, like you will pay for it. You could unknowingly commit a crime, like, and the the government doesn't care. So you have to be smart about who you're going to outsource to, especially when it comes to hiring an accountant. It's like the most important business decision you'll make. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I'm just going to clap and say yes to that because I just 100% agree. Um, So let's talk about some like six figure things because I know like six figures is always the goal. Like it's the dream. Um, so let's talk about like some common strategies that you see within six figure businesses, money strategies, mindsets, like what are some of those things that come along with earning more? Yeah. You know what I mean? I think from the standpoint of strategies, I think there's two things. One would be skill stacking. So diversifying your skill set is huge. Oftentimes when it comes to running a business, like you probably start in a certain area and you're focused on one sort of, uh, you know, offer suite or service or something. And that's kind of like what you're doing. But as you do that, you're learning new things and you're getting to know your ideal customer or client better. And you're answering questions you probably didn't think you were going to be answering. And all of those things can be used to create additional revenue streams, which would be my second strategy is you can't rely on just one revenue stream forever. Upfront, for sure. Like when I first started Break Your Budget, I was doing one-on-one budgeting consults. And like that was me trading an hour of my time for like $250 and I could do X amount of them per day, per week, whatever. But through those conversations, there was two things that was happening. One was I was getting to know and better understanding the journey that like my ideal client went on. So I was able to say, okay, every single one of these calls, I'm talking about the same five things and I'm telling them to do the same five things. And I'm just having the same conversation with a few different tweaks to it over and over and over again. How can I save myself time and save these people money is I can package it up into a course, sell it as the same thing make it a little bit more passive and buy those three to four hours per day back and make more money. Um, So skill stacking, bringing it back to that is, okay, I was learning how to do customer service. I was learning how to create processes and frameworks. I was learning how to put things together in a succinct way and communicate that information that could then be repeated over and over again. Um, And then when it comes to diversifying revenue, like, Creating a course obviously is going to buy you time back, but also throughout that process, I was thinking about, okay, what are these people asking for? They're asking for a template to implement the budget that we've just talked about. Does that template exist? I was just sending them to budgeting apps or like giving them a free template that I downloaded online. Why the heck was I not creating my own? So I created my own that was included in the budgeting console at the beginning 
And then over time, it's like, okay, well, I don't want to do these budgeting consults anymore. What I'm going to do is I'm going to package this up a little more formally, create a Facebook community and sell this passively. And that, that is what got me from, you know, I would say like 30 to 40 K a year to a hundred K a year on template sales Mm -hmm. alone. Um, So that's a big thing. And then the other layer of it too, is casting a wider net. Um, the big thing that worked for me was getting as many eyeballs on as possible on my pages. And so that meant getting out of my comfort zone, doing things that I maybe didn't want to do. So like putting myself on video, using TikTok, like at the beginning, I did not want to do that. I did not want people from my life to see me doing this. I did not want to have my face online. I was really nervous about like getting mean comments or hate or whatever, but Ultimately, to get to the next level in business, you need to be making more sales. So you can either be selling different products to clients or customers you already have, which can be challenging to consistently come up with new ideas, or you can sell the same products to more people. And the only way to do that is to advertise, which requires you putting yourself out there. Um, People Mm -hmm. buy from people. I think that's a really important thing. So maybe sharing like your journey, your perspective. I find when I do that, I definitely sell more um, because it resonates. So those would be like my two major strategies. And I think too, tying that back to the earlier point about knowing your numbers is constantly readjusting and looking at what's working and what isn't working. Because we talked about this, you can get emotionally invested in like an original idea that just does not hit. Or Mm -hmm. you could see what's working and double down on that, even if it's not like the one thing that you had originally wanted to do. Um, And that I think is what's going to get you to the next level. Um, From a mindset standpoint, and this is an ongoing thing, really, I think it comes down and this sounds cliche, but to like actually believing that it can happen for you. That came to me through doing um, as I saw like results in real time, but I always tell people, cause I find like, it's so weird now people will be like, you're such an inspiration. Like all of these things. I'm like, I'm just a regular person. Like I'm not special. I'm not famous. I didn't, I, I didn't have any, you know, like anybody handing any of this to me. It's just, if you decide that this is what you want to do and you decide that you are going to do whatever it takes to get your business off the ground, to be full time, it, it's believing that it's possible for you. And then operating as if it's already happened. Like that's sort of what I did looking back on it. It was kind of like, well, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm putting myself online. So like it has to work Mm -hmm. um, or else I'll be embarrassed. And it just sort of fell into place as I decided that it was going to. And I feel like that's sort of like, I I don't even want to say the word manifestation, but that kind of is what it is. Yeah. Um, And again, it sounds, I can, if somebody was telling that to me, I'd be like, okay, whatever. (laughs) But like that actually is what it is. Yeah. Like, no, I I like that. It's like fake it till you make it. Like you're just, yes, you're like convincing yourself this has already happened. So, and I think like when you think like that, you, you put the processes in place that need to be in place, you know, in order to be successful. Like I think of like a photography business, like when you like, set up your client management software, you, mm-hmm. you know, get like a money software, a business bank account, you, I don't know, start doing all these official things. Like, I feel like that actually does take you 
and like lead you to a little bit more success. And you're just acting like it's already happened. Absolutely. I think too, going back to like the actual tactical strategies is setting up the systems to be ready for an unexpected boom in business. Like, especially in the era of social media and everything, like you could post something on Instagram or on TikTok just with no plans for anything to happen and it can go viral. And that could be your ticket to getting out of your job to booking 30 clients or booking out for the full year. But if you don't have the processes in place to take advantage of that virality when it happens, which you have no control over it, then you could lose that opportunity. So, you know, I think getting started with a business obviously is great and booking a client or two and just learning the ropes is important. Once you sort of understand the process, don't hesitate to set up the systems and be ready and be the business owner, you know, Mm -hmm. and be ready for capturing attention. Because that's sort of what happened to me is I had set up like email funnels and stuff. And I was like, okay, like I've got like 10 opt-ins here. Then I had a video on TikTok go viral. I had 2,000 opt-ins overnight. And it's like, okay, now I have something here. And luckily I had all of this set up to capitalize on that. And that was what kickstarted everything happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that that is such wise advice. Like you got to be ready for the Black Friday. Absolutely. To just hit yeah. randomly. Absolutely. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about maybe the not so fun side of financials, which is like, if someone feels like they're failing financially or not meeting their goals, what would be some advice that you would give someone that is feeling that way or is currently going through that side of business? Yeah. So I think the big thing is to first work with what you've got. Um, which I say, because in all of a lot of the reasons why people struggle or internalize the struggle, which as a business owner, it's normal to struggle. It's normal to have a low month. Nobody talks about it, but like to have, let's say a 10 K month and then a two K month, like that's normal, um, for one. But I think it's working with what you've got, acknowledging the situation and looking at the numbers first and foremost, which we've already discussed is like the hardest part of doing it, being honest with yourself and knowing, okay, like this is what the situation is right now and acknowledging that number one. And then the next thing is implementing the systems to address it, which is the most tactical thing you can really do. And that applies to your business finances or your personal finances. Like in your personal life, let's say, okay, you know, I am on a tight budget. My income is limited. Student loans are starting in September and I have no idea what I'm going to do to make all of my payments what tools and options are available to me to leverage for one and take advantage of those? And what systems am I going to implement between now and then to close that gap? So you can make more money, you can cut your expenses, you have to look at the numbers, you have to be agile about it, and you have to go back and make adjustments every single week. That's the big layer. Um, A lot of people stay in the stuck mode of like, I'm not making any money or things aren't working for me, but they refuse to like, look at what's actually going on and accept the situation for what it is. And that's what keeps people stuck. Um, the other thing too, like I said, when people say they just struggle with the budget and everything, 
the most tactical thing you can do is implement that weekly money routine where you're looking at your numbers, you're self-reflecting. So that's a big one. That's identifying the issue and then ultimately changing your behavior. That's the most important part of self-reflection is the behavior change that comes along with it. You can't change your behavior if you don't know what's going on. And then making the adjustments. Like it doesn't have to stay stagnant. If what you did last month didn't work, you don't have to do the same thing next month just because, you know, that's what you've been doing. If what you've been doing is not working, change it. Um, And that's the beauty of having your own business is you get to decide what you do. You get to decide to fully scrap something or to spend a month and brainstorm a new product or a new um, service or offering or a new strategy to the same thing you get to decide what you're doing. So that would, those couple of things I think would be like my best advice for that. Yeah, no, that was really good. And I'm sure someone listening that just really hit him in the heart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to ask you one last thing. You might've already given this advice, but I'll ask if there's anything else. So basically I wanted to get like your best advice that you've ever given or like the best piece of advice that you could give someone, what would that be? Routines, which we've talked on, but like, honestly, I think the biggest thing that people think about when it comes to money is how can I make more money or how can I save more money or how can I cut my expenses or trim things or whatever? And all of that's good and great. But if you don't have a routine to consistently stick to your financial trajectory, you're not actually going to make any progress. Like Anybody can set the intention to start a business. Anybody can say, I want to make more money or save more money, or I want to start a budget, or I'm going to trim 50% of my expenses or whatever. 99% of people say they're going to do that. 1% of people actually stick to doing that because they have a consistent routine. And I say this all the time in all of my videos. I feel like I always sound like a broken record. A routine, a financial routine that you can stick to and a tool that you're actually going to use are the backbone of your financial situation. So that's the best advice that I can give now. That's the advice that I wish I had when I was like 22 and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out my finances is like I would write down my expenses on my notes app and then I'd never look at it again. What's the point of doing that? Like I'm just doing, I'm, I'm telling myself I'm doing something when I'm not actually doing it, if that makes sense. And so the weekly routine, the boring stuff, the 10 minutes or the 15 minutes where you go in and you update everything and you say, okay, things are good or okay, things aren't good. That's what's going to make the ultimate difference. It's not sexy advice, but like it's the advice that will work. Yes. No, that's great. That makes so much sense. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on today's episode. This was such an insightful episode. I want you to share with everyone where they can find and follow you before we're done, just so they can keep learning from you and maybe get that template or whatever. Sure. So you can find me on all platforms, just at break your budget. One word, it's the same handle on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, wherever. Um, I do have a podcast. It's called Don't Depend on Daddy, where I talk about personal finance tips, lifestyle stuff, lots of routine content, financial routines, business finances, side hustles, career stuff, all the things. Um, And I also have a book. It's called Own Your Money. If you're watching the video, this is what it looks like. You can order it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Indie Books. Um, Really great if you are looking to just build a solid financial foundation. I do touch a little bit on business at the end. 
Um, but this is really geared towards personal finances. Lots of transferable lessons, though. So if you have your own business and you're not really sure how to manage the money that you're making, definitely check out Own Your Money. Um, and yeah, I think that's everywhere. Yeah, that's a lot of places. So yeah, that's, yeah. that sounds about right. Cool. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on today's episode. And I hope everyone listening has a great rest of their day. Exposure. With all of the highlights and the shadows is my composure. All the layers above, all the edits and tweaks, I know her. I am so done, need more time developing in my Doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain or down in quicksand, whatever the moment, wherever we stand, I'm taking it. Doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain or down in quicksand, whatever the moment, wherever we stand, I'm taking you, taking you, taking you. We're gonna stop finding good old shoes